Hey, Mitch, come and record the Drift Dad. All right. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. Check in on their website for the latest updates and policies regarding shopping during the pandemic. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is a great way to get the gear you need. And they're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Driftoutfitters.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is March 10th. Uh, it's the day, actually, the F3T has launched and is live, um, which is a very fitting uh, thing. You'll see in just a moment. My name is Mitch, and we've got yeah, Aldo here. Hey, everybody. We've got Yelma. Hello, everyone. I almost said Yelma first, yeah, and then I, I went, yeah, Aldo? I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I think it's because of where you're at on my screen. It's really tripping mm. me out. Um, anyways, thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in to another show. Um, we're super excited to, today to be talking with uh, an F3T filmmaker. Um, Jessica Haydall Richardson grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and currently resides in the Bitterroot Valley of Montana. She's got a diploma in professional photo imaging and a degree in business admin, specializing in marketing and advertising. Jessica earned her degree while playing Division I women's hockey on scholarship at Wayne State University in Detroit. She's photographed for a wide variety of companies within the outdoor and sporting industries, companies like the NHL, if you've ever heard of it, um, Getty Images, Berkeley, Abu Garcia, G. Loomis, Costa Sunglasses, and many more. She currently works as a professional commercial fishing photographer for both the conventional fishing and fly fishing sides of the industry. She also contrib contributes editorial photography full-time to various magazines. Photography and filmmaking has taken Jessica to some really incredible places and given her some amazing experiences over her 15 years of shooting, some of which we'll be talking about today. Um, her style is more photojournalistic, what you might call run and gun, capturing moments that unfold in front of her lens. And a couple fun facts, she's obsessed with building bikes, riding them and also talking about them. And Jessica and her husband have two Labrador retrievers they call the girls, and she's kind of obsessed with both of them too. Uh, Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. And gosh, I'm, I'm now embarrassed that I gave you such a long bio. No, 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 no. no. That's great. I love setting it up. Uh, just kind of obsessed with the dogs or totally obsessed? Because like lab retrievers oh. are the best. Oh, yeah. No, um, we call them the girls. They're basically our children and they're the sweetest. I mean, I think, you know, I'm biased, but they're the sweetest girls ever. And um, and I think everybody loves them too. Cause anytime I'm anywhere and the windows are rolled down, like everybody like comes to the car and they're trying to pet my dog. Totally. So, um, <laughs> totally. yeah, they're, they're sweet and they're, I'm, I'm very lucky. So love it. that's awesome. Hey, congrats. Your film's out today. Yes. Gosh. Yay. You know, it's, Whoa. it's like, how do you nerve, feel? Oh, it's like nerve wracking, but also, mm -hmm. gosh, it's just, it's been a, it's been a long road. So mm -hmm. the crazy thing is I shot this film in 2019. So right. uh, holding on to content as a photographer or filmmaker or, you know, an artist mm -hmm. in general is torture. And um, I just knew that this film would hopefully be seen by just, you know, not just like a YouTube and some eyes here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so finding a home for it finally has is just beyond belief because the F3T, like the like I've you know talked to you guys before, the big boys club. Um, yeah. I, I I never I didn't know if it would make it because it's a very different kind of film. So 
Anyways, I'm just like, I was a little nervous, but I didn't stream it at four because I'm going to watch it tomorrow night. Um, I've got, you know, my husband's and I are going to watch it tomorrow night. So I thought um, uh, it did strike four o'clock and then all of a sudden there was all these like Instagram messages and stuff like that. So that's pretty (laughs) cool. That's awesome. Um, That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great film. Everybody listening, go check it out um, at flyfilm2.com. Get tickets and check it out because it's awesome. And we'll definitely uh, ask you a bunch more questions about that. But yeah. first of all, where, where are Betsy calling in from today? So I live in um, Stevensville in the Bitterroot uh, Valley of Montana. And nice. I'm about 35 minutes south of Missoula or so. Um, yeah, it's this is like one of the most, I, I like to say like I grew up in one of the most beautiful places in North America. And now I yeah. live also in a different place, but one of the most beautiful <laughs> places in, in the in North America for sure. Yeah, another Canadian. Yeah, Vancouver. It's, it's Vancouver awesome to, to the bitter root. Yeah, how did you what brought you to the bitter root? I mean, that's I mean, that's quite the move. Yeah, well, you know, I actually never saw myself leaving Vancouver. I yeah. am like if I used to be a tour guide at one point in my life, so like I love Vancouver and I'd love to yeah. give people facts about Vancouver and just it's definitely not the city I grew up in now. When I go back, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there's so many people here," but it's also I live in like a super rural place, but Actually, back in 2011, I was shooting down in South America. I was photographing uh, marlin fishing. And I uh, met my, uh, well, a boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. And he uh, happened to live in Montana. And so uh, in 2015, we eventually got married. And then I had to go through the whole immigration process and that fun thing yeah. and, uh, <laughs> sounds like um, a blast and, yeah, yeah it, it's still going like that's the thing is everybody thinks it's done right away but no I, I'm not a citizen yet so it's it's a very long process yeah. uh, but I've been living here since 2015 and um, he's not from Montana he's from Texas actually I'm married to Texan nice. Um, nice. and it, there was no option he was not going to go to Vancouver he's like there's too many people there and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean right. like America <laughs> so he wasn't gonna leave and so I was like yeah. well I'll come I'll you know it, yeah. it, it basically I was coming here he owned a house and it it didn't make sense because again like you go to Vancouver you yeah like, barely oh, can afford to live or buy a property or it's crazy and so again like not the city I grew up in a city city that I'll always love I mean I go yeah. to see my family as much as I can but yeah. Um, it's so busy now. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have to admit, as a Canadian, haven't been to Vancouver. What? Sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, and I don't. It's actually like super normal, I think, for a lot of Canadians never to fully travel the country because you think about like how big our provinces mm. are. I've never been to the east coast of Canada. It's on my bucket list. Like, yeah. it's crazy to think it's on my bucket list to go to Newfoundland. I've been to Ontario many times, but yeah. um, I can't say I've been to Saskatchewan. You know, I haven't been yeah. to PEI. <laughs> I mean, I, Northwest Territories, we could just list off all the places we've never totally. been. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's Huge. true, actually. It's a really so many good, good places point. to go. <laughs> but Montana is yeah. definitely a nice place to be residing. I mean, there's some good fishing down there. Have, have you been fishing lately? Like, what's the fishing like right now? Is it kind of just standstill? So I actually just started back up again. Um, so I have yet to get out. Uh, basically, took the whole month of February off because our winners, like, um, you know, and I, I don't know if you've, I like, I'm sure you've learned about the Bitterroot. And I actually have listened to one of your podcasts, a podcast a while ago nice. that uh, interviewed um, 
Yeah, we had uh, Chad, Chad, Chad from, from uh, the Bitter Room. Lolo, yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah. so funny because I remember saying to a friend a while back when I listened to that one, I'm like, I just learned a lot about the Bitter Root. Oh, man, awesome. <laughs> you know, and from a history teacher who like exactly yeah, down perfectly. So, yeah. um, I just feel like I just need to go up there and sit in his shop and be like, okay, can you give me some more yeah, facts yeah. about this area? Like I, I know about Lewis and Clark and all that, but yeah. um, and Sacagawea and, and how historical this place is. But yeah. um you know, generally, like weather wise, because um, we are in a banana belt here. So where the rest of Montana is generally like freezing cold all year round. Yeah, we we have very low precipitation rates coming from Vancouver. That's crazy to me that we like <laughs> barely get rain here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and because of that um, and we have a massive mountain peaks, the Bitterroot Mountains. So, you know, the peak actually outside my window of my house is 8,500 feet. And, and oh. we sit about 3,400 feet here at my house. Wow. And then the biggest peak in the Bitterroot is, gosh, don't quote me on this, but I think like 14,000 feet. I think it's Trapper wow. Peak. Um, oh, man. Could be like 10. But anyways, that's super yeah. high. So yeah. rain shadow effect comes in here. We get a lot of storms come over from Idaho. Actually, anytime I talk to my mom um, in Vancouver and she's just told me there's a big storm, it usually hits us two days later or a day later. Right. So, you know, oh, okay. we, we get those uh, the, the weather kind of rolls off the Pacific and, and makes it this way. It hits, the, you know, hits the mountain ranges and then it yeah. um it snows on the mountains, and anyways, uh, the the valley stays pretty dry. So, very long story short, our winters are um, variable. So, uh, January is beautiful. We had it in in the 40s and uh, maybe even the 50s Fahrenheit. Yes, I have converted to Fahrenheit after living there for so long. I finally gave in. Um, but then February, we're we're very um, possible that we're minus 25. Like we then it sets right. in. Um, and then rolling on March, I actually said some to someone at the grocery store today, I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. It's 57 degrees. And they're like, don't jinx it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it it could change. And it, we usually get like a fake spring and then it will get cold. But um, yeah. I probably won't start back into getting myself out on the river probably till the squala hatch. So okay, end of March, April, the squala hatch is, um, it's not a very fished hatch Dude, like tourism hatch is a very fish local hatch, I would say, because right. it is so variable. You literally have to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, this might be the day. Go out mm, there and, right. and try it because it's not one that like our salmon flies where it's very predictable. This this hatch is like um, and, and even like Chad had said that one time uh, that it's they haven't eaten all winter or they haven't eaten right, bugs yeah. all winter. So they're ready just to they're chop down to on these. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, I fished oh, a whole man. bunch in January. I fished, um, actually was in Canada for Christmas. I, nice. I came and quarantined and yeah. did that whole yeah. thing. And I managed to stay for a month and a half oh, um, nice. so I could be with my family. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, yeah, fished January and now um, just taking some time off and um, right on. waiting for it to to um, warm back up. So Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was long. Be, no, that's <laughs> no, good. No, no, oh, that's great. No, it's good. It's really nice to hear, you know, like about the upcoming season because, like, it's still. I mean, I mean, we're like a few. Like, I would say, well, we're. It's still kind of a ways out to trade opener in Ontario, <laughs> but I don't know. We're excited. We're excited. Yeah, you know, trade opener for us is end of April. So we're yeah, like, say I. I think that Ontario has harsher, way harsher winters than where you know most of Montana. You know, anytime yeah, yeah. I go to Ontario, it's like it's pretty brutal. You, it's pretty yeah, brutal, brutal winters. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. 
But this year hasn't been too bad, to be honest with you. We, we it's it's but kind of scary at the same time. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, okay, so how about we go right back then to you know how did you get into fly fishing at all? Like how did that start? Yeah, well, actually, I I never even thought about fly fishing until I moved to Montana. Um, or I wouldn't say until I moved to Montana until I met my husband. Um, And I started visiting Montana. So in 2012 is when I first started coming here. Had never been to Montana in my life. And um, I had met him in South America. We finished um, uh, our trip down there. I was on a a massive 150-foot ship photographing marlin for a company. And uh, he was, he used to run, my my husband used to run a private marlin fishing operation for about 15 years in Panama. So it was a private timeshare buy-in. So he had 10 owners, 10 shares. There was a 90 foot mothership and two sport boats and he ran the operation and he ran one of the main boats. And so like, they just happened to be anchored here. And I was like anchored here. (laughs) I (laughs) I met him randomly. But anyways, (laughs) so I came up in the spring of 2012 and um, we went, we would go camping a ton. Um, and then he would always have a fly rod with him and then he would go out there and fly fish and I would just kind of like stand around and watch and like, or take pictures. I'm like, well, I kind of want to learn, but, um, I couldn't learn from him. (laughs) So he's a terrible teacher. Uh, Um, (laughs) so yeah, I just, um, I just said to him, I was like, look, I want to fly fish. And so he bought me a kit, like sent me over to Grizzly Hackle in Missoula and lined me up with a, a nice fly rod and stuff. And then. I actually, um, his whole family, um, they are really good fly fishermen. Even my sister-in-law is a really good fly fisherwoman. Yeah. And um, anyways, I booked, we booked a trip. Um, I booked a trip with my sister-in-law and it was the guide that showed me how to at least get fishing. Like that yeah. was the whole thing. You can be a terrible caster, but if you do go out with a guide on a boat, the best thing is he'll get you fishing. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. so you might cast terribly. You might set hooks terribly. You know, you might not quite get it but at least you can start fishing yeah and um so it was that and then beers and a glass of wine in the backyard in the summer just practicing my double hauls and yeah that's kind of how I learned and so it kind of came out of nowhere I didn't even really because like Vancouver Mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of um, trout stuff specifically mm-hmm. more like salmon runoff back into the river systems right or mm-hmm. um, what does everybody fish for um, off of like Jericho Beach and stuff or mm-hmm. on the north shore it's all um, a sea run cutthroat and stuff right. like that so uh, I would see the guys out there you know back in the day but I'm like what are they fishing for and yeah, I knew yeah, what yeah. fly fishing was I just had never <clears throat> done it myself personally so yeah. what, um, like, but I had been in the fishing industry since 2008. Yeah. Okay. So that came first then. That that was the first kind of thing. Yeah. I, um, I went to photography school. I, I finished university in yeah. the States and, and finished college and, and, um, as a female athlete, that's it for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not going to the NHL. Yeah, I know. Um, unfortunate. so yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And I, um, I got my education. I came back, I went into photography school and I actually got a practicum with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, head photographer. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, it was wow. incredible. It was a dream job. That's what I thought I actually was going to shoot was all mm-hmm. sports action and mm-hmm. photojournalism. But, um, NHL guys really love to fish along with a lot of athletes. So yeah. I actually mm-hmm. got sent my very first photography fishing trip up to Haida Gwaii, Queen Charlotte Islands. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean like wow. <laughs> one of first. the most yeah, <laughs> one of the most remote yeah. um 
amazing places. If you're a Canadian, that is a bucket list place to visit. It is a good for your soul place. Uh, uh, the height of people that I've met are, are incredible people. But this fishing lodge is on Langara Island, the tip of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. you in Japan, um, or you can see Alaska. Um, and I have actually been shooting for that fishing lodge since 2008. And last year was the first year I couldn't work for them because of COVID. Oh, right. Um, oh, right. Because Haida Gwaii shut down. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. And so it's called West Coast Fishing Club is the lodge I have worked wow. for since then. And so um, I grew up in Vancouver, grew up on boats. I used to run a whale watching uh, boat, um, have my captain's license and nice. worked at a wow. marina and uh you know, rental boats. So anyways, I got yeah. myself up there and photographed salmon fishing and bald wow. eagles and killer whales, humpbacks. And yeah. Like bucket list so place. Cool. Please go and visit Haida Gwaii. Oh yeah. yeah. No, it's helicopter. That is definitely a place to check out. Wow. Yeah. So you fly in on a helicopter. <laughs> um, so cool. You fly up on these like private planes they have and then they chopper you into the lodge and the amount of like Heli shoots us before drone, like drones right. were like a consumer thing. Yeah, I always yeah. joke, like I'm like they would put me in a helicopter to shoot. Now we have these like so little cool. <laughs> drones to yeah, fly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, that's so um, rad. Yeah, the ad, so that the ad so budgets, you know I'd been. Sorry. No, no, no. I was no. gonna say Continue. you reminded me because when I started in advertising, the ad budgets were extremely high because we had to use helicopters to shoot from. But now it's just, mm-hmm. you know, now it's just drones. But I yeah. still think like. As a photographer, even as a filmmaker, I just think that filming out of a or photographing out of a helicopter, even though it can be nerve wracking at times and stuff like that, I think it's just way more easy or it's easy for me um, because you can see everything, your peripheral vision, you can talk to the pilot about. So you're doing one task. Yeah. Um, I also was like not a gamer. So like I feel like people <laughs> who are like like really good at video games are really good at flying drones. So like yeah. I am fine at flying a drone. It's not my most favorite thing to do. I feel like as a photographer now in the industry, I'm asked to do like a lot. You know, yeah. can you shoot video? Can you shoot stills? Oh, by the way, can you fly a drone while you're out there? And it's yeah. like I have two hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. yeah. but if you don't adapt, you die in the industry. So yeah. you have to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's cool that you, you know, your photography kind of came before your entry into fly fishing. Like, so you, you kind of already had a, I was going to ask, like, what did you like about fly fishing? But it's almost like, what did you like about photographing people fishing? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of crossover. Yeah. I mean, I think um, when I think about it, um, I, I love to fish and I've really kind of found the, the type of fishing I like, which is definitely fly fishing is kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I photograph, I actually photograph probably around like 85 to 90% of my work is all in the conventional tackle side of the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and photographing for fly fishing specific brands is definitely newer for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it is because um, it, the, a lot of the fly fishing brands maybe don't have the budgets that say um, the larger Must brands have, have that, like the bass like guys, the offshore yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, conventional tackle brands just have much more money, and the fl- it's crazy because the fly fishing brands I do shoot for are generally owned by a larger brand, right. like owned by a conventional tackle brand, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine. So the like Berkeley, you know, Berkeley power baits or rods yeah. or whatever would have a well, much larger budget than fish. Berkeley, Abu, Fenwick, yeah. Hardy now, 
Right. Uh, Gray's fly fishing, right. um, Hodgman suits. They're all owned by one company, Pure Fishing. Right. Um, so I, I do work for them, but then I, I photograph for um, G. Loomis, which is owned by Shimano. So if you think right. about it, like there's when you do start to work for brands that um, might own fly fishing companies, mm-hmm. there tends to be more money that goes into their marketing budgets and, and, mm-hmm. and allocation for imagery and content, basically. So mm-hmm. um, I love fl- photographing fly fishing. I like it's it's definitely more artful. You can at times be incredibly creative. Um, I feel like I, I do love photographing bass fishing though. I was like, I was just, I just got off the plane on Monday. I was in Alabama, my first time mm-hmm. to Alabama. Um, I had to, I had to laugh. My husband's like, oh, how do you like Alabama? I'm like, well, there's two guys. I passed a Cracker Barrel and I'm like, this is like the start of a good story, but it, it, <laughs> it it's just like, there's no story behind it. But I was pa- driving past the Cracker Barrel and there's like two guys handcuffed on the front of the hood of a police car i'm like i wish i had been there like this is like the best so anyways i uh, next week i go to georgia um to photograph bass fishing as well so um so fly fishing is just i don't know quiet yeah uh, pristine but each each part in the industry has its own special kind of thing i love offshore fishing too i love like backing down hard on a marlin with like waves coming over the the top Mm -hmm. of the boat and spray and Action oriented, um, you know, or yeah, and it's just it's different, mm-hmm. and I like the fact that I get to shoot a lot of diverse things because then it's not stagnant. I'm not just shooting one thing all the time. Yeah. I get to um, photograph across the board, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for that at least. So I'll just keep rolling with it while I have the opportunity. And um, but uh, what's a day like? Definitely like what's a, what's a what's a day like in the Marlin like for photographing? Yeah, for like, what, what, <laughs> in yeah. Well, you know, in the shoot that I just did, it was, what, four, 4 a.m. wake-ups in a row. Uh, they were long days. But, yeah, Marlin is a lot of boat running. Um, hmm. You know, I spent five years uh, photographing stock stuff with my husband in Panama. Once uh, we met and we started dating, I legally couldn't work in the United States. So I would work in Canada and then I'd fly to Panama and I'd live on the ship with him and we would go out. So I really got projected forward um, because of the contacts of him. And um, I'm, I'm not going to say like I owe everything to him because I feel like I was established and like working hard before mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I really do feel like I owe everything to the Canucks photographer for taking the chance to send me north. Right. Uh, and it was a Canadian company. It's West Coast Fishing Club opened a lodge down in Panama. Mm-hmm. And that's how they sent me south. They're like, okay, so you can just photograph Marlin, right? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> sure, sure yeah. never seen one. Should yeah. be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was originally in 2011 yeah. is when I headed down there for the other company. So anyways, it's just a day in the life. You, you wake up uh, early, you get on to, so we fished off of um, kind of larger um, larger boats, 48-foot um, sport boat basically is what I was on with, you know, big outriggers wow. and stuff yeah. and tuna tower and stuff. And so Sometimes we'd run 40 miles. Sometimes we'd run 15 miles. Yeah. Uh, in Panama, it was specifically so live baiting. So, um, yeah, as we're running out there, that's the time my equipment is generally trying to acclimatize to the humidity. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, So, right. you know, in a pelican case out on the deck. Mm-hmm. And then we go out there and we fish. And I think to really be a successful offshore photographer or filmmaker, mm-hmm. you have to just put in the time. And I'm grateful that I had an opportunity for almost five years to put in the time. I mean, we fished almost 200 days a year. 
Wow. Um, so yeah, we'd fly down, we'd do that for 40 days at a time. And then I'd fly back to Vancouver and photograph, um, weddings, engagement photos. Real estate was a huge moneymaker for me in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see why. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> photograph tons of stuff. Wedding season, I'd, I'd usually photograph up there, and then I get sent south again. I go, I go shoot a full for year. His private, yeah. yeah so it, it was, it was um, nonstop, and, and Panama was seasonal, so it was like December, January. Uh, then the water gets cold, and um, it you know shuts down, and then yeah. like uh, June, um, June was like kind of the next one, May, June, and then August, September. So it was like chunks at a time so we go down for 40 days at a time um fish uh take all we take the boats from panama city and head out and fish and we're fishing close to a lodge called tropic star lodge um and actually a lot of people go down there to fly fish for marlin too because you can do a lot of bait and switch oh um, cool yeah so on the boats like um actually i just saw i think i don't know maybe she was in costa rica i think meredith, meredith McCord was just, yeah, just down there <laughs> Yeah, with Tropic Star because like they can pull in an outrigger on one side and then bait and switch, and it's a lot of live baiting for black marlin there. So you bring them up to the surface, you pull the teaser in, and you get the angler to pitch the fly back, and it's wow. pretty exciting to see that. So we had some anglers that fish yeah. with us that were fly fishermen. It's crazy. Yeah, so it was pretty yeah. cool. It was pretty. It's just I think I almost get more out of photographing people mm-hmm. fishing this kind yeah. of stuff than mm-hmm. I have caught one marlin before and was cool and it was fun and we released it and yeah that's great but i have more memories of the imagery taken and like being a part of these fights and then like photographing it and then when you get the shot you're like i just get more excited yeah totally and you know i don't need to land i I don't i'm not that mad at the fish (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. so anyways um that was I was that, lucky, very that, lucky. That's an awesome yeah. gig, like going down, yeah, for almost like 200 days a year. That's mm-hmm. crazy, fishing on those boats. That's wild. Yeah, and at the time, like, I didn't really realize the commercial side of the sports fishing industry, and it really right. wasn't. And so I was contributing editorially because I could, like, legally do that, but yeah. I couldn't legally work here. So when I would come here uh, to Montana, I would just visit with my, you know, husband, boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. and I'd fly back and forth. Um, so I'd, you know, fly out for a couple of weeks and then I go back to Vancouver and work. Mm-hmm. And so it really wasn't until 2015 is uh, when we got married that I could actually start building my business here. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, should I shoot weddings? I'm kind of over weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all these opportunities suddenly coming up in the fishing industry and it was kind of a no brainer. Um, but it just does take a little while. I was getting published a lot in magazines, but Unless you're a photographer, I don't know. Like, you guys tell me. When you pick up a magazine, if you like a photo, do you search for the photographer's name? Probably uh, not. It's a good point. I only do because, I, I guess, my history as an art director, I would look, look up. If I like the photo, I want to see more. And then the aesthetic, it'll influence me. So I kind of do, personally. I yeah. honestly do not. And that's a good point. <laughs> because, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. just kind of like, that's a cool But I'm picture. one out of four people. And you kind of just carry on. Yeah, yeah I'm okay. sure some people yeah. do, but, yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I, I do because I just want to know who the people are and then I yeah. go and look them up on social media and I kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, but again, that like it helps you stay current in the industry with mm-hmm. some of the um, the edit- editors that I work with. And it actually was one of the editors. Um, I'm actually seeing him next week on a photo shoot. Uh, he doesn't work for that particular magazine anymore, but he's the one who like pitched me to a company and then all of a sudden I get a call from a company and then 
it snowballed from there and working oh, in like okay. the, the okay. commercial side of the industry because I was still supplementing with other types of photography. And I do truly think like if you want to be a outdoor photographer, whether that's sports fishing, whether that's like mountaineering or whatever you want to photograph, um, I really think you just need to be a photographer and you need to shoot and be as diverse as possible to make yourself the best yeah. photographer possible. And so I'm grateful for weddings because, I mean, I was a portrait photographer in a day. I was a landscape photographer in a day, uh, mm -hmm. food, macro. Lifestyle. lifestyle yeah, landscape. lifestyle, photojournalism. Yep. And you have to do it all in a split second and not mess mm -hmm. up. Yeah. So why wouldn't you go and do something like that to get better? And so I think it was just like the right timing and the right opportunity started to turn my way. And then it's been rolling ever since. And I'm so grateful for it. It's been fun. Um, I have no idea how long this this you know train will go, but we're just gonna ride it well, until you know uh, what, Jessica. I think you're at a very good time to be an amazing fly fishing photographer. Your photos are <laughs> awesome, yeah. uh, and I ain't just saying that. They're beautiful, beautiful photos. And um, Instagram and like the world of f fly fishing photography is just it's huge. And I think um, in and we'll talk about this because I'd love to know what you think. But I think in good and bad ways. But I think in the good ways you can people are like who took that photo. They want to know who's behind yes. the lens because it's like it's 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 like an artistry type of thing. Right. It's like who's who are these people taking these wild photos because they want to see more of them. And so I think it's a I think it's I can't see how it's going to get. Worse. Yeah, yeah. You know. content is the beast that needs to be mm -hmm. fed, right? It's just like you can yeah. never have enough. More and like, more people you literally can never it. have enough. Yeah, you know? yeah. I um, would definitely say my career took off with social media as well. I'm not uh, insta famous, you know. I've it's taken me what like I don't know when did Instagram come out? It's taken me like six years. I don't know how long Instagram has been out, but yeah. to get to five thousand followers, like I just I oh, had I to laugh. It's a, at, it's a grind. You know, it's I didn't get the algorithm. I didn't get like I didn't <laughs> yeah. tune in at the right <laughs> yeah. time. And it yeah. all used yeah. to be just like pictures with my iPhone. So, yeah. And also um, it also used to just be when you posted it, it. I mean, really, Instagram is four platforms now, you know. It's, it's exactly. your feed, your stories, reels yep. and Instagram TV. So oh, it's a whole bunch of work. It's all, but. Yeah. It's whole, and I mean, it's a whole bunch of work now. I don't take it like overly seriously yeah. or anything. I gen generally on my feed though, my feed, yeah, I post professional photos. Yeah. I, I don't post things that are from my iPhone anymore on my yeah. feed. At least I use that for, you know, I use stories for that, but mm -hmm. I definitely have had clients now find me through Instagram. See, that's cool. And that's cool. Um, over the last like three years, maybe it's been more of that generating that. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I would say social media is definitely like propelled yeah. that part of my career forward and i would think that's like that for a lot of photographers in the industry too that's cool because that is the main platform other than tiktok which i just got on tiktok yeah. the other day and i had to say like uh i don't know actually how to tiktok i know how to watch them yeah but i also like like monitor myself when i'm on it because yeah. i'm like an hour Scroll. can go by. Yeah. It is actually kind it of strange is. how quickly an hour can go by on TikTok yeah, or Instagram like, Reels or whatever. Yeah. You know, same Dangerous thing. for children, as far as yeah, I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. grateful I didn't have any of that kind of stuff. I know, it's stuff. true. Like, yeah. Honestly, because yeah, yeah. I find myself in it and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, an hour's gone by. So I actually usually only like go on TikTok when I'm in the airports and I'm traveling. Yeah. Because yeah. so, I like, I, I'm, I just don't click on the app. 
Yeah. Um, cause I got others, I got things to do. I'm totally. an adult. I got things to do. I'm <laughs> saying, so, you know, that's what, that's, yeah. that was my experience with it. All I of a sudden you're starting it. to dance. You're doing those dances. Yeah. Doing the TikTok wait, wait, dances. Wait, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded, I, you know, the, I downloaded the app. I opened it and then I immediately was like, why did I download this? And I just deleted it immediately. I was like, I don't need another app in my life. Like yeah, what's going no, on? I'm you know, sticking with- you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's amazing though, how much courage oh, and yeah. like self-assurance these children mm-hmm. have like yeah. and when i say children i'm saying like 30 or under mm-hmm. yeah. like <laughs> like i just like if we had that in my day like mm-hmm. where it was like this a lot of positive stuff yeah there's also a lot of really Negative, bad things yeah. going on yeah. and like a lot of bad comments and i would a wouldn't have been I, able to I handle that as handle a kid that. or a teenager yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like i don't if, Every once yeah. in a while, I'll get someone who says something like super rude on my Instagram. I just block and delete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, eh, it's not. I'm not in the yeah. business. Of yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Dealing with this. Yeah, person. we don't. We don't know how to navigate yeah. that stuff. I think the young, the yeah. youngins are gonna have a whole new set of abilities. But um, do you have any like really memorable shoots from over the years that we we can just yeah. chat about? I mean, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Is there any that just kind of um, pop into your into your mind? Well, I like uh, if we. If we take COVID, I actually did a really cool one last year during COVID. So I like Mm -hmm. um, COVID hit six months dead, no work, not able to go anywhere, just everything shut off. And here I am, you know, I I was contributing to magazines, but I was like, man, like financially, my husband and I were fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. I don't, we don't rely on my just, you know, as a photographer, you know how we make millions of dollars out here. (laughs) (laughs) We don't really, I'm messing, but we don't uh, rely on my salary to keep our lights on. You know, my business runs itself and and that's how we, you know, it's my business and and it's, uh, uh, it pays for other things. But, um, so we were fine. I'm grateful for that just as like a precursor because a lot of people had a really, really tough time. Um, but in August I got a call. Um, so I actually went back to Canada in July and August, I yep. did my quarantine again. So I've been just like a pro at quarantine mm-hmm. now yeah. in Canada. <laughs> yeah. um, and got to spend time with my family again. I have a 89-year-old father. So for me, it's been kind of yeah. a priority to get back and yeah. take the time mm-hmm. to quarantine and do that. Totally. And so um, anyways, I got a call and they're like, when are you coming back to the U.S.? And I said, oh, you know, at the end of August. They're like, you want to go to Alaska? And I'm like, yeah. I yeah. love Alaska. Like it's one of the <laughs> coolest places to photograph. Yeah. And um, so I did a, a four day float, five day float. I can't remember how many days. It was like all the days ran into one. <laughs> and it was from Chalatna Lake all the way down to Anchorage area. Oh, like we didn't quite go all the way out. Um, but it was um, it was for Gray's fly fishing. Okay. And it was it was um basically it was just an experience where the product was there and I was shooting for outdoor life magazine and for Grace fly fishing. But unfortunately outdoor life magazine, um, they got sold and currently they're not sure if they'll publish again. So like, that's awful. I think they might do a digital version. Maybe I'm hoping, but like an iconic magazine like them and field and stream basically being tossed in a year. It's awful. Absolutely awful. And so, um, we get there. Uh, it's me and a writer, a female writer from um, Wyoming. We fly in and we meet up with the crew, and it's a bunch of us just like hooligans on rafts that are at least thirty-five years old. Oh man! Um, <laughs> they forgot bear spray. Uh, okay. um, Good first I had a sat phone. I had a sat phone in? with me because my husband's like, "You're taking the sat phone." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a sat phone. We. The handheld GPS got left at the lodge accidentally. Okay. But the guy was a pilot, so he had flown over the river uh, 
many times, but we weren't sure of uh, blockages, water levels, and it was a class four rapid river. And we were fly Jeez. fishing for grayling and um, I think it was chum that was coming up, yeah. uh, it was a big salmon run that comes back up. And so photographically, it was just stunning. I mean, mm -hmm. we had grizzly bears, a mama grizzly bear out in the water running wow, and like, awesome. we we're just floating by and we we're trying to be as quiet as possible. And I've got my like massive lens yeah. out and um, <laughs> gosh, it was just like, it, I was um, definitely out of my comfort zone. I was very nervous about whitewater. I don't have any rafting whitewater experience other than being a child in British Columbia and you go on like a tour. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was with a really awesome girl in my boat who is a whitewater kayaker who's gone off like an 80 foot waterfall in what? like I think Alabama, she told me. Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> I, so now that I've been there, I know that there are hills. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so anyways, and photographically, I think it was like one of the strongest assignments I've done yeah. in a long time in terms of like start to finish my, my, I was told shoot everything from yeah. the lifestyle to the fish, to the weather, to the landscape. And yeah. so anyways, it just allowed me to be as creative as possible, but also camping, so cool. no way to offload your images, oh, right. no way to charge yeah. batteries and <laughs> dealing with storms, rain, yeah. possible bears and water and f maybe flipping your raft or getting stuck in oh a rapid. God. And so I just had cinched that life jacket up and yeah. I just told her, I was like, you have to be very clear instructional with me. Like if we get into a situation that is dicey, you need to like direct me because yeah. I won't know what, I won't know how to help. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but luckily <laughs> somehow we like all that. made it through like each rapid we go through, we'd like stop and look back and like, oh my God, is the next boat going to make it? And somehow we magically were so, we were safe just and it out. was pretty intense and it was that pretty cool. Awesome. And so uh, I hope the images make it to the public. I hope, yeah. that, you know, it's stuff I can't release. Yeah. And um, I just think it turned out beautiful. It really did. Yeah. Rainbows Denali in the background. I mean, so wow. that was probably one of my most memorable fishing trips, at least in the last couple of years, where it's just like, yeah, uh, it was a little crazy. It's a mitig. I like like to say that I, I take mitigated yeah. risks. Like I, I take risks yeah. now, but I'm like, I think a lot more about it as yeah. a 37 right. year old woman. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah. okay, but like, what is our safety plan here? But you guys forgot the bears. Um, play. Where like that's, yeah. No, but, but then they're like, no, you no. You almost got to think about bears. You almost got to think about bears. Yeah. Oh, do you? He's scared of little baby black little, bears. And they're not babies. He panics and screams and runs <laughs> off. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. Black bears don't scare me. It's <laughs> grizzly bears that scare yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's mama grizzly bears that yeah, scare yeah. me. It's not just not daddy over there. It's mama, and then if yeah. you see mama, it's like, oh. where are her children? Yeah, and if yeah, you're yeah. between, I mean, Montana actually, um, I think we get like on average three to four attacks a year on oh. hunters, fishermen, yeah. um, down in the Ennis area, down by the park, Nash Yellowstone. Um, yeah. There's maulings i mean it's actually wow. crazy like there's a couple people that generally do die a year from grizzly bear attacks here yeah, yeah um i yeah. first place I ever fished in montana was um uh Ennis, and i was out by myself and i came back to the fly shop or whatever and they're like uh were you walking waiting and i was like yeah and they're like a guy just like died yesterday from a grizzly i was like 
He's like, you might not, you might not want to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, a oh. lot of the times too, it's um, during hunting season. Uh, right. A hunter might be uh, ha- might have you know shot a deer or an elk or something, Good. and right. they're mm-hmm. they're cleaning their right. their right. yeah, and then they get attacked that way, Jeez. or it's a, a mom or, and her cubs. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like a really sick fisherman who like lands a bunch of fish. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't co- know. <laughs> in fish. No, that's why well, you know, attacked. but Alaskans have a yeah, yeah. Well, Alaskans have like a totally different view on grizzly bears. Like it's not okay. the same here in Montana. I mean, I almost right. feel like you know the photographs of like up in um where is it like King no um Cody or gosh yeah, there's Cody a up? well there's that place that a lot of people go to fly fish for. Uh, big char and um, mm. rainbows and stuff like that. I can't remember what part of Alaska it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone's listening to this right now, say, screaming yeah. it to the radio. He's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, there's famous yeah. photos of um, the fishermen fishing. Can I? Can I? I don't know. I K-E-N-A-I? think it's King something. I. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, it matters. But there's but, like, you know. there's like fishermen <laughs> in the river, and then there's yeah. like photos of grizzly bears lining the banks. Right. And the grizzlies yes. are actually all yes. just interested in the salmon and the fish. And they're not as interested in, um, yeah. they're not interested in, Messing in with the people. fishermen. Yeah. But right. in my mind, they're ready to kill me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a pretty um, wild first trip out of COVID. I mean, wow, what a what a welcome back to the uh, to the world of fly fishing photography. Jeez, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was amazing um, looking back on it. I think, you know, I, I feel a little bad that I stressed out so much during the whole trip because I was just like, man, this is definitely slightly out of my element um just being on the river for that long and not being able to charge batteries and what if i lose a camera what if a card goes down what if i lose my whole kit i could lose the whole the whole trip like it, mm. it there was mm-hmm. there was a lot of pre-planning and um yeah, yeah. in that regard like just right, how am i going to get the images safely oh, yeah. to my clients at that yeah, point exactly. because they've just invested a ton in money mm-hmm. i mean we actually flew into this to Chilatina lake lodge um and yeah. it's ran and owned by like really nice people um and so he flew us in with another guy and as we're flying in that like they're talking on the radio and i know the percentage of like bush plane deaths in alaska <laughs> like it's yeah. like the highest place in i yeah. think all of north america um, because they have like the highest number of small planes in north america yeah mm-hmm. and anyways full out storm with lightning and oh hail God. coming down. And these guys are talking. They're like, well, maybe we can find somewhere to land. Whoa. And they look at me and I said, I just like, I'm like, just whatever the safest option is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so wow. anyways, we were just behind the storm and we could look down and you could see the hail. And if that hail hits like a little plane like that, we're kind of not in a good situation. Yeah. So anyways, Whoa. we finally land and I just looked at the guy and I was like, I just felt really uncomfortable about oh, that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like lightning just like everywhere. And I was just like, what and that was am the fly I doing? in. That was the first moment. That was the flight trip. into oh, the lodge. No. And then we, we ended up getting delayed by a day just because of it was pouring with rain so much. Yeah. So the river had quite a bit of water in it, which was good, but we mm. weren't sure about how much push it would have. Right. How would these class four rapids be class four rapids? Yeah. And they actually ended up only one of them was a super dicey rapid mm-hmm. but my the girl i had um my oarsman man she's just Total she badass. nailed it she yeah. just like turned us perfectly and dropped us through the chute and yeah um i mean but she had given me like a like a talk before she's like okay so if we yeah. get stuck this is, this is what we, we yeah, yeah yeah this is how this yeah. is gonna work yeah so anyways Jeez. um yeah it was a cool experience That's for 
out of COVID 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, like I, I hope the images come out this year. Um, so if you do see some crazy images uh, for Grace Fly Fishing, that's then yeah. that's uh, right on. That's, that's uh, that shoe. Oh, well, yeah. that's we'll that eyes peeled for that for sure. 100%. Yeah. Um, okay, we're just going to take like a quick break and then we're going to be right back to talk about your film in this year's F3T. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination fly fishermen with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tightline stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com. Okay, so the film, the F3T, this year, was that your first kind of foray into filmmaking? Or have you been kind of making films before that for a while? I know that was 2019 that you shot a lot of that, that footage, that trip. Yeah, so, gosh, maybe in about 2017 is when companies started asking if I could shoot video. They're like, okay. you can shoot video, right? Because, well, of course, video capabilities were put into all our cameras. Right. But I never really did anything with it. I'm a st- trained stills photographer. Mm-hmm. So I started uh, YouTube University and uh, graduated YouTube University. <laughs> uh, um and so I'm currently yeah, enrolled, actually. Yeah, you're currently too. enrolled. Yeah, yeah all kinds of enrolled. Yeah. <laughs> there's a joke. There's a joke in my family going on with my ne- my little nephew, my husband's um, brother's kid, and we're always we're always saying that he's going to come up to us one day and be like, "Yeah, I finished. I finished YouTube." We're <laughs> like, YouTube. "What? I yeah, yeah. I got YouTube. to the end of YouTube. <laughs> so, what do I do now? Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was. Um, I I used to make some small, short, little videos and stuff for clients when I was down in Panama. I'd put together like through GoPros, basically maybe a little bit on my handheld DSLR at the time before mirrorless was like a thing. Um, And then I'd edit it through what uh, iMovie and I'd put it to music and I'd present them with images and and they were paying to like have me down there to shoot full time. So like that was something I used to do. So I can't really say that was truly dabbling in like filmmaking. So um, I started making some more stuff over the last couple of years and then, um, I don't really have much of a presence on YouTube or anything like that. I, you know, I post some photo, some videos here and there, but um, I decided that I wanted to tackle creating a film. And, you know, the thing is, like, I know how to work my cameras. I know how to film correctly. I know what the settings need to be. Mm-hmm. I know how to tell a story through photography and I know how to cinematically make things pretty. Mm-hmm. And now it's just about how do you tell a story through film? Mm-hmm. It's a little mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. and there's so many more shots that you need to take. Um, and so, yeah, 2019, this idea of Christmas Island came up and I just, I'm, I, you know, I can't really, I'm not in a position where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just drop like five grand and go fly to the Seychelles and go fishing myself personally. Yeah, yeah. I just right. don't do that. I don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. But if there's a situation where a trip comes up where I can go along on the trip and shoot self-stock imagery, um, you know, maybe I don't pay to be there, but I maybe pay for the flight there. I don't right. do that very often, but maybe once every couple years. Generally, I go places because companies send me there. Yeah. But if it's not that situation where I'm shooting on my own, then um, I'll just take that as a write-off and kind of go from there. Like yeah. I went to South Africa hmm. um 
not last summer, but the summer before the same year I went to Christmas Island, I flew to South Africa for a month to go photographing, um, uh, nice. crazy animals. <laughs> yeah. And it was a friend in the fishing industry that owned a lodge there. So it was like, you pay for oh. your flight, you can nice. come out and shoot for the lodge and have a private experience <clears throat> in South Africa at a private lodge for over a month. So like, sweet. Great. These, yeah, these guys were in South Africa happen. at the same time. Yeah. yeah were you? Well, yeah. same time ish. Then 2019, Mitch and Ilma yeah. went to go shoot a commercial yeah. for Coca Cola down in Amazing. South Africa. And actually Where ended up going fly fishing. We were in uh, Cape Town and yep. um, we went fishing up uh, in the Western Cape on. Um, God, I always forget the name of the rivers. The trout streams, basically, in the yeah. uh, the freestone yeah. streams. Beautiful, like we were the rainbow. It's crazy, because awesome. yeah. so like crazy. I flew into Johannesburg and drove over, and there's this like town before yeah. I was getting to the park that I was going to. It's like the town in the middle of nowhere, and there's just like fly shops everywhere. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> I was with the owner of the lodge, and I'm like, "What's happening here? I'm very confused." And he's like, "Actually, <laughs> we have a whole bunch of streams here that have trout in them." Um, I was there in the summertime, which is their fall right. kind of winter, I guess. Yeah. So it was actually quite cold. So no one was fishing at that particular time. Yeah. But I said to him, um, he wants my husband to come with me on a trip at some point to go back there. He actually runs a, uh, a, a selfish lodge in Guatemala. Oh, nice. Called okay. Bill, Guatemala Bill Fishing <laughs> Adventures. Right. Yeah, his okay. name's Brad Phillips. Yeah, his name's Brad Phillips. And he actually, he's a South African and his wife is Guatemalan. And he actually has the most number of selfish um, catches in the world. Like, Whoa. I think 23,000. He's kept what? record because he's a, yeah. That's wild. ITFA, like he's, he, yeah, he's ITFA quite served, famous yeah. in the fishing world. So he's like, wow. you should come photograph for us. And I was like, I'll be there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So anyways, like yeah. A couple more than cool. Yoma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like so cool that they suddenly have these trout streams in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you're like, what? I didn't I, I didn't cool. do my research. I didn't realize. So I had no idea either. Like we were flying well, over and Yoma's like, we're going to go fly fishing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like the ocean. And he's like, for rainbow trout. I'm like, what? But yeah. it's just naive. Like I, had <laughs> yeah. no I know. I said, Why would I, know? I said the same thing. They're like, Yoma's like, I booked this. It's going to be awesome. Although he's texting me. He's like, it's gonna be awesome we're gonna go fly fishing and i was like oh sick like you're gonna go like to the flats or something or out you know because i'm yeah. like ocean sure yeah. he's like no we're going trout fishing i was like <laughs> <"Trout> fishing. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. in the middle of nowhere you're like hold like, on and my like, idea of south africa was like totally different and i yeah yeah i was like generally like by line <laughs> i just feel like in canada we generally have a pretty good idea and perception yeah. uh, maybe this is totally off base but i just no, I feel like right. i know I think I know a lot about like the world and what I it looks so. like. Yeah, I think so. Just from what we learn and, yeah. and even just how our news covers things. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, like, I actually did not realize that the eastern side of South Africa, I thought I was going to kind of like a little bit of a Sahara looking situation. Yeah. No, no. Uh, trees, lush, super yeah. wooded. Ton yeah, very lush, yeah. beautiful trees. I mean, um, I was pleasantly surprised, but also like I was like just embarrassed yeah. i really yeah yeah i know <laughs> i know yeah. i felt the same way so but it's a nice surprise because south africa is just beautiful, beautiful. cape town reminded me of california yeah oh god it was the best yeah. thing ever such a beautiful place <laughs> i know these guys are like i can't wait to go i think back. they would have yeah, i think they would have totally. stayed there <laughs> given the option yeah can't wait to go back there um but okay sure. so this film um yeah sorry i got tangent no no no, 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 no. that's what this whole thing's about <laughs> so, um yeah. So fun. Yeah, that's what the whole thing. Uh, dropped in the Pacific is the title, right? Yeah, yes, dropped in the dropped Pacific. In 
can you give the listeners just a little bit of background about um, kind of how the the trip itself unfolded? Like, was it like, we're going to go make a film or was it like, let's go do a trip. Oh, I'm going to film it. I'm going to make a film around that. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's like a problem at all. I want a dog, man. Hey, hey. I got to get a dog. You have two cats. Yeah. Until they bark. Until they Girl, bark. No. And I have two cats, but then I can get two dogs and they can all be buddies. Yeah, like the cats can play can poker. The dogs can play poker. Yeah. <laughs> cats and dogs playing poker. It, it's funny. I'm, we're in my studio and I have the um, the curtains drawn, so yeah. they can't even see out. And yeah. I live in a rural area, so what the heck are they barking at? Nothing oh, yeah, like yeah. an owl or something. Oh, cool. Um, I think <laughs> they've cool. stopped. Oh, hey, in your bed. <laughs> Lay down. I love it. No one oh, listens sh- to me either. <laughs> <laughs> It's just when my husband's he's he's down in Florida running a boat right now. And yeah. so anytime he's gone, I'm like, they don't listen to me. I mean, I love them, but they just they just walk all over me. So. Shut up, mom. Um, yeah. So that how was, the f- that was my joke. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just like, feed us. <laughs> it's like three in the morning and I get like a paw to the face. Yeah. They're like, feed us. Um, so basically, um, the winters here in Montana are really mm-hmm. long. Right. Uh, just in general, like you guys there in Ontario. And so I actually found an awesome group of women here in the Bitterroot that I tie flies with once a week. Awesome. Uh, Pre-COVID, obviously, we we've we tried to do it Zoom and digitally, but it's um, technology with some of the ladies has been a little difficult. And it's, you know, we at times it's just everybody got busy. So yeah, we haven't yeah. done it once COVID's gone and all my ladies have been vaccinated over there because a lot of them are in their like 60s and 70s. So once my group gets vaccinated, I'm I'm down to hang with them again. So totally. Uh, for mm-hmm. their own their own safety and stuff. So um, anyways, yeah, we meet up and, and we tie flies. And actually a whole bunch of the ladies in this group are really good fly fishermen. And they have fished all over the world. Like yeah. they go on trips with their husbands or uh, with friends yeah. um, all over the world. Yeah. And so I had never been on like a saltwater trip outside of North America for fly fishing. And, um, so we're sitting there and we're like, we should go somewhere. Let's, let's, let's figure this out. So we ended up, um, one of the ladies is like, I've always wanted to go to Christmas Island. So she actually, her name's Peg Miskin and Peg Miskin runs the, um, the Bitterroot chapter, like not chapter, I'm sorry. It's the fundraiser for casting for recovery in Montana, which is incredible organization Mm -hmm. for women with breast cancer. Um, and fly fishing is like a main healing tool for them. Mm -hmm. And so, Peg, um, she was 69 at the time, and um, she always likes to say her age because, you know, she, we, our age range from the film is 35 to 69. So <laughs> awesome. it's pretty incredible for seven women yeah, in awesome. this, like, massive range. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was uh, four of us from the Bitterroot. Um, if anybody, when you do guys do see the film, a little Donna Richards smoking her cigar. Oh, I love that Donna's scene. from the Bitterroot. Um <laughs> Jenny, best. my friend Jenny, who catches a beautiful fish uh, close to the end of the film. And oh, then yes. Peg Niskin. That fish at and the so, end. So, oh, man, that was awesome. Such a good moment. Was, and, and yeah, like, I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Mitch, no, it's all good. Uh, Mitch and I have seen the film. Yeah. Yilma has not. We will send um, you the film, Yilma. So, so we're lucky enough to see some of the footage. And, and yeah. yeah, it's a great group. 
It yes. really was. And, um, you know, I went there with, uh, so I told them, I'm like, look, I can't go on vacation. Like I'll go to shoot. And actually right. I mm-hmm. prefer to do that. I, so out of the whole trip there, I think it was seven days or something like that. Yeah. Um, I took six to film and one to fish. So I was like, well, I'm not going to come out here without experiencing it at least. Yeah. So I took one day to fish and I met my goal for fishing. I wanted to tie my own, um, flies and catch a bonefish on my own fly. Yeah. So I did nice. it. I caught like maybe three bonefish or something. It right was on. fine. I was happy. I caught a little sweet lips fish too. And nice. I'm really not that mad at the fish. I <laughs> get more excited. I, sh- I I feel like when someone else catches a fish, it's just as much my fish. Totally. Um, I, there's more. I, I'm more excited and like jacked up for people when we share a fish story together and I can yeah. capture it for them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so... Yeah, we just, um, this idea came together. It came together really fast because this was probably in like March and, or, or sorry, not March. It would probably have been like January, February. And we headed out the end of April. So she did all the legwork. She got, uh, she started reaching out just to other women she knew who were really into um, fly fishing. And maybe they go on trips every year and this is like a destination they've all wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, we're on a plane to Honolulu and, um, then from there, I called it Dropped in the Pacific because when you get on that plane in Honolulu, mm-hmm. you literally fly south mm-hmm. into the middle of the ocean and there's like a dot there and you oh. land. And you're like, <laughs> it's so you're just dropped in the middle of the Pacific and the plane comes in once a week and goes out once a week. That's so, so crazy. Um, yeah, this is a pretty uh, incredible place. Mm-hmm. And um in terms of the film, though, I told them that this was my goal. I want to film in one of the film tours. I want to make this yeah. happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if my expectations are too high, but I just want this is a goal. I'm going to do it. And generally, like, that's kind of my annoying little attitude is when I like <laughs> something, I'm like, I'm going to yeah. do this. I oh, usually yeah. go and do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, so, so I went there. Um, I learned a whole bunch. I learned that I set my expectations of what the film could be too, mm-hmm. too much. I thought I could make this really in depth, really like emotional film about these ladies and their ages and talking about being there. And I bit off a lot. Um, I was also photographing for two editorial magazines while I was there for full feature stories. I wasn't writing the stories, but I was contributing the imagery. Mm-hmm. It was all oh, wow. set up ahead of time. I got some mm-hmm. brands to send some product. So I had stock imagery. So I had this like list of everything I need to made. And then I made like a public deco- declaration that I was going to shoot a film. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, it was so much work. And in the film industry, I know why there's a lot of people on film shoots because A, yeah. it makes it better. And B, there's just um, a lot of work to be done. So yeah. with the advent of mirrorless cameras, it's pretty incredible how you can switch in and out of stills to video. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I did. I like just, I followed each angler in the morning and the afternoon switching anglers. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the film was going to be. And I think it turned out to be exactly what it needed to be. Just a stoke reel of women in an age range that we never see. And like I've said to you guys before, it's like my idea of like my bro, (laughs) it's like my bro reel of women. (laughs) It's (laughs) like guys like slow motion and high fiving, um, which it has its place. And we all love a good like slow motion, um, you know, but um, I actually had terrible fish luck. So every angler I would go with, it was just, it would like shut off for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
towards the end of the trip, I was freaking out. Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably not maybe that enjoyable to be around because like <laughs> the pressure I had put on myself yeah, just yeah. to create this was like up here. Yeah. Um, and I was taking it very seriously and I'm so grateful for those ladies. Um, they're all wonderful and mm -hmm. just great. And we're telling me just to like pump the brakes. You're okay. We'll get this. <laughs> and um, and they didn't go with the expectations of making a film. They went yeah. on a vacation. Yeah. And so I also had to be careful because right. I don't want to like make it unenjoyable for them. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it was really hard. I I would like to say I enjoyed myself there, but I didn't. <laughs> I was yeah. working my butt yep. off. And yeah. did I enjoy the what we saw the culture? the atmosphere, the people were wonderful. The place mm -hmm. was beautiful. Um, I took that all in, mm -hmm. but, um, so yeah, just went and created a film. And then actually in 2019, I had put together more of a 10 minute version of this film and I submitted it to the IF4 and the F3T. Um, and it was turned down by both. And I was crushed. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't make a masterpiece, but I knew I kind of made something that was different that we don't see this age range. We don't see mm -hmm, a group yeah, of so. women um, doing that. And I thought maybe that as an intriguing thought would be enough to kind of allow me to push this story forward. So we did some, um, I was crushed. I was really upset because also I set this goal and I said, well, I, you know, I did the best I could. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew it wasn't like a masterpiece. It was what it was, a document documenting yeah. basically their trip right. so the actually the long version of it is a bit different mm -hmm. um it doesn't have as much flow there's more storytelling there's more right. um talking um and talk talking about like emotion and how they feel mm -hmm. and um so i sat on the content i sat on the film the editorial article came out um or the couple of editorial articles came out i started putting out some stock imagery mm -hmm. but still holding it back because i'm like i just feel like it has a higher purpose yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to put it in the Orvis 5050, but which I think has a great place. But, mm -hmm. you know, my thing was, I don't just want women to see this. I just yeah, want yeah, like, yeah. everybody to see this. Yeah. yeah. And so I was really let down. And it wasn't until um, rolling into December of 2019, um, mm -hmm. Paul called me mm -hmm. and he goes, hey, I hear you have a film. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you guys saw Paul's it last cool year. Dude. And he said, <laughs> I'm like, you said no. And he goes, I never saw it. Yeah. So somehow, I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow not that many people saw right. it. Yeah. So I'm not really sure how the selection went in There's the previous years, but there was yeah. something happened and not many people saw it. But Paul called me and I owe so much to Paul because he's like, I think we can make it better. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm all ears. Let's mm -hmm. cut it down to five minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so much. It's so hard so to cut work. five minutes. But, but like Paul, Paul, like, there's such a benefit to working with other people who have an eye, who yeah. have um, creativity, and also who are really good storytellers. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I took the film as far as I could. And I did like use the people around me to like help break it down. Mm -hmm. But I actually should have really reached out to maybe more filmmakers in the industry. I've right. been like, I need help to create this into something different. Mm -hmm. But Paul, he really was like, he, he went through the film over and over again, pushed it to other people, got mm -hmm. more responses, and then finally came back to me and said, like, these are the key phrases, Jess. Like, mm -hmm. These are what we resonate with. This mm -hmm. is what we feel. Mm -hmm. Like when 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 Donna says, like, 
I this is my first trip without my husband. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like breaking it down into like really basic things and then we built it back around that. We built it yeah. back around these these main phrases. And then mm. Paul's like we're getting you sponsors because <laughs> nice. at this point I just paid everything out of pocket. Yeah. So he started uh, approaching sponsors. I could reach, you know, so I'm I'm in an awkward position because as a contract worker and a photographer, I don't mm. want to be calling up these people that I work for full time and be yeah. like, "Hey, you want to send me some free money?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable with that because that's not my job normally. My job is to go work for them. Yeah. And so actually, um, G. Loomis jumped on board right away. I have a great relationship with them. Um, mm-hmm. Red over at G. Loomis is wonderful. And he's such uh, always been a huge supporter in my work. And he was like, I'll give you my editor. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Okay. So actually, he's, he's a, there's an editor. He's in Ontario, actually. Oh, um, nice. And so oh, cool. um, I shipped him the hard drive he went through and did my sound correction and just like color correction stuff that I really am not great at for filmmaking. Right. Um, And so he kind of just changed, like just, just tweaked Mm -hmm. it. So it's clean, as clean as it can be. The Mm -hmm. music's clean, you know? And Mm -hmm. from there, I just think the version that we have now, the five minute version, which is like upbeat, that was the main thing. Paul's like, let's just keep it going. We want Mm -hmm. to film that transitions. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't think about this, but, you have to create films that can help in a film tour that maybe they're an amazing standalone piece, mm-hmm. but the way Paul explained it is like, it has to be a whole cohesive unit. This tour, yeah. all the films, they need to mesh together. And I imagine films get cut because maybe they don't find the place yeah. where they can mesh with all the other films, yeah. which is not something I ever thought of. I'm yeah, like, it's like one big you just film submit almost. these awesome films, right? Yeah. And so, um, Anyways, I'm rambling now, but he just no. <laughs> he really, yeah, he really helped me and awesome. helped me to see that it doesn't need to be anything more. The film can be mm-hmm. just exactly what it is. These amazing right. women mm-hmm. who we all have a tie with casting for recovery. Um, mm-hmm. And um, some of them have been participants. A lot of people donate their time. I donate my film, like I make films for them when, yeah. they're, when they have the fundraiser here. And so there was like this really cool tie and core tie in with the women. Um and again, featuring women that are of a very wide age range yeah. and a mm-hmm. group of women yeah. had never been done for yeah, the yeah. film mm-hmm. festival before. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, like uh, when you yeah. say like, you know, you didn't uh, think the, or like talking about emotion within the film, exactly that moment where she says like, this is my first trip, you know, like abroad without my husband and she's smoking stogies and stuff. I'm like, this is totally emotional. Like. Even I showed my girlfriend. She's like, oh, my God, this is, like, the nicest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah. she was, like, so stoked on it. And I'm like, it is. It's such a sweet moment, you know. So you have great – the film is awesome. Great moments in there. I appreciate it. And it was just uh, – yeah, it was a lot of work. And, like, I think yeah. also mm-hmm. people Especially don't doing it by yourself. realize – yeah, and then editing. I mean, I I know word for word the film. I've stared at it now for two years. Yeah. Uh, I always, um, I'm grateful also that I sat on it. I'm grateful. Like we yeah. did a couple public public showings, like at the Wilma actually in Missoula. I aired it in front of the Orvis fifty fifty. So it uh, the ten minute version again, not the five minute short version. Yeah. Um, I had last or not last year. I guess I'm getting my years mixed up in 2019. Um, I also, I won the amateur film contest with Rio. So I had a short film in the intermission of the IF4. Okay. And so, um, you know, I kind of had been building up. Which one to was try it? To yeah. create which one, which one was it? It was the fishing memory where it's just like a 
so embarrassing narration of my first fishing memory, fishing with my dad in Norway in ice fishing. Mm. Yeah, um, it was in the intermission. They played it in the intermission, right. so okay. people got up. They they it was right like as the show was counting back down. They played it. It was three minutes, and so I won the contest and um and got to go and fish actually with the Rio guys in That's Idaho, cool. which was like yeah. awesome. That's cool. Um, gin, uh, fishing on a two weight <laughs> fiberglass oh, rod. Yeah. For in a gin clear creek like yeah. that was maybe shin deep, oh, or massive cutties. So Beautiful. like sounds pretty massive sick. cutthroat and like yeah. I had and I said to the guys I'm like really my two weight fiberglass and they're like if you don't like if, if you're not feeling comfortable and if it gets super windy like we'll bring a three weight as well <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like well no yeah. like I love my fiberglass two we'll weight like <laughs> anyways it was just like dry flies Wild. just oh, sipping beautiful. and eating and oh, it's awesome yeah. it's so sick. It's a cool experience so so anyways yeah I just uh, I'm I'm so grateful for everything it's been a wonderful start to 2021 yeah and um i'm I'm just happy for people to see it but i have a overall goal with this um it's great to be one of the first females to have a film in the tour Mm -hmm. and have an all-female cast that's wonderful Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really mean much to me if we don't have maybe at least two more females submitting films next year yeah or three more or three more women Mm -hmm. because what's the point in the end yeah Yeah. my hope is this can generate more women to create more content. And I, you know, I was chatting with Paul this morning on the phone and I said, you know, it's never about the fact that it's the tour's fault. It's not the fact that they're not selecting films with women in them, or sorry, there are films with women in them, but it's not that they're not selecting films that female filmmakers have made. Yeah. I said, it's up to us. It's females aren't making this content. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> hey, I can actually hear coyotes um, Whoa. There's coyotes outside. Oh, man. Um, there's coyotes hey, outside, hey, get over she here? says. <laughs> cool. There's coyotes outside. So, sorry. So, anyways, <laughs> like, it's just that. It comes down to that. It comes down to a Need call to action. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting yeah. about representation, right? And it's like, yeah, I think that's what you're, I mean, the first thing I kind of noticed about your film, obviously, it's like, whoa, it's a group of women. But to your point, and you've brought it up a couple times, mm-hmm. it's just the age range which you don't really see, you know, yeah. and and uh, in media, I guess, or I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe, or maybe at one time it was all, you know, an old the the old boys club, and now it's reverted to like young people fishing. But are, are we missing something about not include, you know, including that kind of content? I think so. Oh, completely. I think like if you think about it, there's a lot of women in the fly fishing industry. I, you know, I yeah. said on the on the short interview I did with you guys before that. Um, I think fly fishing, out of all the industries I work in, all of all the fishing industries I work in, I think fly fishing so far is the most inclusive. Is it perfect? No. But is it miles ahead of like bass fishing, 100%. offshore fishing? Right. I mean, the offshore fishing world over-sexualizes women mm-hmm. absolutely horribly. Yes. Um, to the <laughs> point where like, I make yeah. decisions on what companies I work for when I shoot offshore you fishing. You mean you don't There's shoot com- in a G-string? That's not what it's Marley? like. <laughs> You know, and, and yeah. it's Yilma tough. Does. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that would be interesting. Yeah. You might get sunburned, but but you know, like I, I hate to say it, like because I I am a, like a a proud like feminist, but like I guess when I work in an industry where I know who the end um, advertise, like who the client yeah. is, who they're trying to advertise to, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it bothers me that I'm working my butt off yeah. mm. to try to like be taken seriously, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. have my work represented, and we're trying to like push mm-hmm. us forward as women. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you wear your bikini and g-string and fish in it, but just know the people yeah. you're fishing with. Like yeah. know your market. Yeah. And I mean, I have been at billfish tournaments where I have old dudes walking by with their iPads yelling at us to show our you know what, and it's oh, like. Man. Like I don't know, I wasn't That's raised whack. like that. Like I just, I'm out here to yeah, like exactly. work full time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and so, so I whack. feel like that. I don't find that in the fly fishing industry necessarily. Like I don't find like super no. objectifying images of women mm-hmm. currently. Like maybe there was in the past, mm-hmm. but I do feel like the fly fishing industry is quite a bit ahead in terms of inclusion because who is the number one mark or who's the quickest growing market in the fly fishing industry? It's women. women. Yeah, totally. So. Do they always advertise to women? Not, not completely, um, but you know there are so many women that fish that you would never even know of, and like different age ranges, you know. Mm-hmm. But who is marketed the most? It's generally like the faces we see, the women we we see all the time, and all of them like it's great, and there's no problem with that. But there are a lot of women who are older who go and do these trips and fly fish and have been fly fishing for like 20, 30 years. And they're mm-hmm. not represented. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. But again, like I'm it's I've found more inclusion in this industry, in the fly fishing industry, more women's groups, more fly fishing groups, more tying groups. Yeah. I, I, I just did a, a, a float on the Smith last year with a group of eight women and wrote a short little essay in Fly Fusion magazine. Oh, nice. That's just out right now um, on that trip. And. Um, gosh, it was just so nice. It's yeah. different. It's kind of like being part of my sports team again back right. in college. You yeah. know, that's this is kind of this inclusion feeling. Yeah. And um, I don't get that in the saltwater industry, but yeah. that's why I make choices to only shoot for brands that I feel yeah. like are mm. representing the way I think that people should be that's represented. Good. I hate to say it like that because I know people get mad and they're like, you can't just be a feminist and have restrictions and all this. Well, yeah, Gosh, I know, but it's very yeah. overly complicated, but yeah. um, I don't know. I just, uh, it bothers me that like someone my dad's age would yell at me with an iPad yeah, at definitely. like a billfish tournament just because they have money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's okay. I, I just, <laughs> yeah, 100%. no, it's, it's just like, it's just like not okay. No, probably, not, yeah. The guy probably yeah. has a couple daughters yeah. too. Like so you never think about weird. that kind yeah. of stuff. It's just sick and yeah. gross. And it is. Um, well, so, anyways. But I think generally, I mean, hopeful. You're hopeful about kind of where fly fishing is headed, at least. Totally, yeah. totally. I think that. Um, so, so like, I think that there are just so many women and young girls and older women, and there are groups for us and a way to, for us to connect. And mm-hmm. I think that is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's only going to continue, especially even with like Zoom, like the amount of groups that I sat on calls with or um, even like uh, United Women on the Fly with is ran by um, Heather Hodson. Uh, Heather has been a massive supporter of mine. Jen Ripple, like an iconic yeah. person in the industry who has pioneered us forward. I texted her the other day and I just said, like, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done to help me get to where I am now. Yeah. Because it was on their backs that we stand, and it's only going to happen. So if there's five women next year who put films in or in the next couple years, mm-hmm. then I hope they're standing on my back to get to their next step. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way we're going to progress forward is if we all come up together mm-hmm. and we all move up together. 
But we can't forget about all the the women who have like mm-hmm. stuck yeah. it out with the boys club, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and made these op- opportunities possible for me exactly. to even be here and to feel inclusion in industry like this. But it, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Like think about like a company like Sims mm-hmm. who has probably like 10 different waiter choices for different mm-hmm. body sizes now for women. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got sent um, the sizing sheet for waiters because uh, I was getting a pair of waiters through a friend for some work I did. And I was like, what? I'm like, what am I yeah. tall, long, yeah. regular? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, but hold on, my foot can be longer. And so just in general, like I, I mm. again, it's not perfect, but I think we're moving in a really fun direction. And uh, last year at the Denver Fly Show, yeah. right before COVID, um, gosh, I got to meet so many incredible women that, uh, are you just you know you get to network so well and meet all these great ladies and again I'm not I'm not forgetting about the guys out there I've had so many men champion me, my work forward too and I'm so appreciative of them like Paul mm-hmm. you know Red over at G Loomis I really appreciate these um, these guys in the industry who see that there is benefit in in helping push more women Absolutely. forward as well progress yes. I love it We're yeah all amazing better together, 100%. guys 100% <laughs> 100%. Um, when yeah. my Canadian comes out all the time, where I'm like, yeah. we can all do this together, guys. Hell yeah. You know, that's what, that's where, that's, it's so true, though, you know, but you know, here's, or yeah, exactly. We, we know we're all, we're all I cut know. from the same cloth up here. Um, but, um, okay. So we have a segment in the show, Mitchie's Fitchies Five, we always end on, but we already asked you all, Mitchie's Fitchies Five, in the, uh, in the other podcast that we did. So yeah. I don't even think I have we to have be to be honest, do though. Yeah. Well, I made like a joke about the um, about what fly what I would fly. be. Yeah. And right after I got off the call with you guys, mm-hmm. I went in the house <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, did the fly? Because you know, like how so many flies in the industry <laughs> are like sexual innuendos for women or men. Yeah. And I, you ne- like don't always know. Well, when I said chubby Chernobyl, I freaked out after I got inside. I'm like, I was referring to like me being like chubby as a joke, and then I was like. Oh my god! Is that a reference to a male anatomy? <laughs> no, I didn't take it that way. I, I freaked out way. and I was like, so I like feverishly got on the phone. I'm texting my friends and I'm like, someone needs to like this. look up the history of fly fishing and tell me where that fly came from like, right now because <laughs> I, I feel like I just like embarrassed myself. That completely. was awesome. That was no, no, no. Um, yeah, that's and just then Mitch's pet mess- name for me. Yeah, that's all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, my friend messaged me. Like, one of my friends who like she like knows every answer in the fly fishing industry on like the history. Yeah. She messaged and she goes, "No, it pertains to like a big like you know a juicy yeah, yeah. fly that yeah. that you know like." Totally. A, and so, anyways, I was like, "Oh gosh, thank goodness." It was, it was good. And then someone released an article <laughs> the other day, like kind of talking about that. Yeah. And. Um, it was on Facebook. Someone released an article like yeah. talking about like should flies be renamed? Which I mean, I have no yes, opinion I, on that yeah, right now. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> but I like, saw, I saw, I saw did you see that? This, yeah, I saw that earlier this week. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you're right. Like, huh. you know, imagine mm-hmm. let, let's say I have a daughter one day, and I bring her into the fly shop. I'm like, yeah. pick out your favorite sex dungeon, and she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess the weird. same thing could be said about, um, you know, if I brought my son in there too, or or, or whatever mm-hmm. they identify as. But yeah. uh, there are some names that like yeah. barely legal that uh, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, totally, creepy, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> totally. Yeah, and so I read sex, the, sex Dungeons is kind of gender neutral, but yeah. but, but barely legal is. A little, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I never. <laughs> well, thought of that. Yeah. exactly, and so that's why I was like, oh my gosh, did I just put my foot in my 
enough. And I was trying to be cheeky and funny, and then I was like, oh, gosh. See, the barely legal, I thought it just meant it was a really effective <laughs> yeah. fly. Like, I've just, my yeah, brain is too, too pure for this know. world. I'm with you. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's but I guess you get a... It's an, I guess it's if you get it's an interesting thought yeah. though, yeah. Yeah. But I guess if you get to if you invent it, I guess you get to name it. But uh uh So is your answer still yeah. Chubby Chernobyl or would you change it? Did you were you like actually, you know, for the fly? Well, you know, I actually think I'd change it. Okay. I think That's, I would okay. be This is the moment. Okay, yeah. So I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking. I think I would be a San Juan worm. Nice. And the reason yeah. the reason yeah, is yeah. A the easiest thing to tie, the quickest <laughs> thing to tie. Yeah. And when every nothing else works yeah, underneath and fishing is slow. Yeah. Right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. On to the rescue. No, 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 sorry, no, no. Yeah. Uh, when everything <laughs> yeah. is slow, you just always just turn tie on a worm. Oh, You're yeah. like, well, if, if we you're go. not going to eat anything else, you might as <laughs> well just put on a worm. And an indicator. So I feel like it's just like a Hail Mary. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and I so I decided that's what I think I would be because it also is like the quickest easiest thing to tie and then you just like burn the edges and you're you're fishing. True. <laughs> we're, using some, we're gonna be using love some that. San Juan worm. San that's a great one. Uh, coming up this month. Coming up yeah, next month. Pretty soon. Yeah. Where are you guys? Yeah. Where where are you guys fishing? Local, or is it gonna be local? local yeah. I guess. Well, It'll be trout opener near the border one opens. Of our, yeah, one of our yeah. favorite rivers yeah. down here, and the Credit River will be fishing mm-hmm. opener for sure at the end of April. Lots of squirmy worms. Yeah. <laughs> There's um there are a few rivers that stay open like a few Lake Ontario trips that yeah, stay for open yeah. for steelhead so if the yeah. water levels cuz right now we're in um, we're melting yeah. right now we're melting yes, yes. Yeah. Melting. we don't obviously have runoff like you guys have runoff <laughs> but mm-hmm. we do have a yeah. week or two there that gets you know when the ice breaks up um things are kind of whack um but um but we'll probably be on the river for steelhead anyway um maybe beginning of april we'll see but then everything opens at the end of april so yeah we'll be we'll be back to our resident trout fishing me too i really like early season it's come to be kind of my my first my my favorite time of the year we just get so hot here so quick yeah um so it's take it all like really our trout season is really short Mm -hmm. like it opens in april and closes in the end of september but really if we're being conscious in southern Ontario, like around toronto anyway yeah, uh, we have the like water warms up pretty months. quick. Yeah. Like by June, we're by June, it's hot, so yeah. we can't really fish for trout around yeah. here. Yeah. You know, ethically anyway. And, and a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of like steelhead on the east coast, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Like, are you? Is it similar to Pacific Northwest in terms of how you fish them? Like two-handed rod? Are you, totally. you swinging mm-hmm. flies and like mm-hmm. same idea? Yeah. yeah, swinging. Yeah, yeah. We um, you you can imagine a bunch of different sizes of tributaries coming out of yeah. the great lakes so there are some where they're quite small so you'll be on a single hander but generally fish. speaking us three we tend to like to swing flies whether on a single hander or two hander but generally speaking yeah. we've we've we all we all fish spay because it's just fun and and uh, i would say the main difference is the color choices where you get those really loud color choices out out west and i'm not saying they don't work here we definitely yeah. tend to Tone the more back. drab black olives type thing black olives and more natural tend to work a little bit more than the crazy pinks and purples but people use them i don't know man i love a hobo spay though people use them i just like the i like the muted colors but yeah steelhead yeah definitely it's fun fall steelhead is the move like around here but but spring steelhead is is fun because you get you kind of get both worlds you get the you get the ones coming up and you get the dropbacks at the same time which is fun yeah 
I know yeah. like after going to school in Michigan, I, you know, I didn't know about fly fishing, wasn't into it. But now I like have researched it a ton. I'm like, darn it. Like I just, yeah. I wish I was into fly fishing because there's so much good fishing up there. And, you know, yeah. um, I would love to come up and fish we in should, different parts of Canada too. We like should go Oak River in BC. I would love heading. to come up and do steelheading. Great lakes. I, I mean, and I, um, I was up there uh, two winters ago to shoot for Berkeley and Abu, but yep. we went all the way up to Sudbury to shoot right. ice fishing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gosh, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sudbury's got it was some pretty so bad cold. I was probably sure. the coldest shoot I've ever been on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've yet to. I, I used to go to Barrie, nice. Ontario, actually, quite nice. a bit as a kid I'd, on vacation. Um, a neighbor of mine, his parents owned a a, a cabin there, and oh. they still own it. And we'd we'd I'd you okay. know a couple summers in a row, I'd fly out to Barrie and. Mm -hmm spend time on this lake and it was a yeah. awesome childhood experience right on yeah that's not uh, far from us at all do that we used to catch like uh i think it was just white bass fish? probably or bass was yeah it white, lake Sim bass? was it lake yeah, simcoe yeah it'd be lake simcoe right yeah lake simcoe a lot of white fish yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should definitely but, uh, go steelheading uh one day we should we'll be happy to have you up here again you can Come, we'll, we'll be happy to come down there. And we'll be like, yeah, geez, obviously. Yeah. Come down here and you can do, we can do some trout spay down here or oh, yeah. just fish the bitterroot, the big hole uh, oh, for grayling. You can catch grayling in the big hole. You also have to catch a grayling. Yeah. That'd be so Come cool. out here. It's actually cool because I think we're one of the, don't quote me on this, maybe the most Pretty western grayling, yeah. state to catch grayling in, oh, I cool. think. Nice. Nice. Uh, nice. Well, in the lower 48, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Uh, I think so. It's they're amazing, and I'm oh, the yeah. first one I caught here in the big hole. I actually was by myself, and I caught it. I'm like, "What is that?" And then I was <laughs> like, awesome. is that a, "Did I just catch a grayling?" Yeah, and crazy. it was just like selfie, like trying to take a selfie with my iPhone. So um, awesome. But it is pretty cool to catch them on the big hole so for sure. Awesome. Um, Jessica, is there anything you would like to plug right now? If this is a time to just you know direct people towards, rat. yeah, but direct people towards. <laughs> I mean, you know, wherever they can find your stuff, um, we're, we'll definitely post flyfilmtour.com. Everybody go buy tickets and watch the film yes. right now. It's amazing. Please do. Yes. And not, not just to watch my film, but to support all the films. Like, mm -hmm. if, man, I, the amount of work that I put into it, I just managed just like four times the amount for half of those other films that are like big budget films and like the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. one. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, super gosh, cool. the amount of work that probably went into that. And so please do. I think it's actually super cool that it's online. You can um, sit in the comfort of your yeah. own home. Um, you can purchase tickets and it's good between March 10th and I believe April 4th. April 4th. Yeah. April 4th. And so it launched today on the 10th. Yeah. Um, and you can view it anytime in that time. And I feel like you can almost rewatch it too. Yeah. I'm I not think sure how that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some contests and then, you can enter yourself in, win some stuff. Yeah. Totally. Win some swag. Yeah. And then, win some um, stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it, so please check them out. Also, check out the F3T. Mm -hmm. I put out a um, here's a thing to everybody listening mm -hmm. is that cool. if you like the films you see, mm -hmm. go on to Instagram, look up the filmmakers and go check them out. Yeah. I think they all deserve to. So wait till those credits roll and look for a name and, and go on Instagram and check them out because yeah. some of them are insanely talented mm -hmm. who don't just make these kind of films, but also like shoot stills or shoot other kind of films. Yeah. So like there's a challenge, like like I said about the magazine cover. Do it. Does anybody look for the name? Go go look at totally. the names of these people. Totally. It's worth it. It really is. It and is. Um, uh, and yeah, and there's that. And then yeah, people can find me on Instagram um, on Instagram. I go by um, Hadol photo, or you can just put my name in, Jessica Hadol. I'm the only one in the world, yeah. so you'll find yeah. me 
find me there. And it's hey, and then the Norwegian spelling of doll, D-A-H-L. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I'm there. And if anybody ever underwater. has any camera questions. Oh, wait, you're not asking me. Anything Sorry. like that, just <laughs> Underwater, yeah. <laughs> we'll put uh, we'll put a link to your Instagram as well. We'll post, um, well, we'll tag you on our channel so people can find you there as well um, if everybody's listening. But um yeah, everybody check 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 out Jessica's photography because amazing stuff. Like you take just beautiful pictures, and um, I'm I'm really excited that we got to meet you uh, through the F3T and um, and kind of connect our our worlds. And uh, thank you so much for coming yes. on the show again. <laughs> totally, guys, it's been wonderful, and it's great yeah. to chat with some Canadians for a while. You know, I don't get that very often. So totally, thanks. totally appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, awesome, so, awesome. Right, yeah, well, thanks, Jessica. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. Have a have a great night and. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay away please, from those coyotes do, outside. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Awesome. Thanks. Jessica, it was awesome. It was a great show. Super fun. Really um, cool. Yeah, I love chatting about... Um, I love chatting about uh, all the fishing trips she's been mm-hmm. on and recently, especially because, man, like, yeah, again, being locked down is the worst. <laughs> yeah. What a cool light. Man, man, your first photography gig is with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, Super really cool. cool. Super cool. And then they're yeah. like, "Yeah, you want to come to Haida Gwaii with us?" That's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, y'all. Uh, yeah, I absolutely want to. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, Chris. But um, yeah, everybody listening, you might have noticed we had uh, a new um, a new sponsor halfway through the show, and uh, we're gonna have him join us actually any second now, so we can just chat with him. There hey. he is. <laughs> Gil, we got a new sponsor on the podcast, and we've got Gil here from Fly Fishing International. Gil's Fly Fishing International. Gil, welcome. Hey, nice to meet you. Uh, well, let's try that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. I liked that. That was good. <laughs> Why don't you just tell everybody a little bit, like, top line about what FFI is? We're a fly fishing travel company. We're based out of Toronto, Ontario. The trips that you guys host are absolutely amazing, and they're all over the world. Yeah, so we tr- we we we, uh, we work with operations around the world. Um, I've got a strong background with uh, with uh, you know Australia fisheries and stuff. Yep. So mm-hmm. com- coming from that sort of part of the world, I was able to bring uh, uh, a lot of those cool places and cool experiences over here with me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's rad. You like you've got a roster of trips. Yeah. You got a roster yeah. of trips internationally, but you also some pretty pretty cool working on some pretty cool things here at home. Not only like on the West Coast, um, but also here in Ontario, which I find yeah. pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of, you know, we've been on some pretty rad trips in Northern Ontario. And I think people should come here as a destination. I think it is just as wild as some of those wild places that we talk about. It's just that we're from here, so it doesn't seem as wild. But, you know, it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> After definitely. going on these trips, it's like it's opened my eyes to how beautiful it is. So I think it's cool that not only you're like an international travel company, but you're based in Toronto yeah. and selling trips from Ontario and around the world. Of course, like you said, you've, you know, had a background in Australia and, and I remember you and I first met, you were just coming in a drift outfitters and I was working there at the time. Yeah. Um, and then to see, you know, the progression from then to now to launching the magazine and, and the, uh, and the company is really cool. But then I started following you on Instagram and I'm like, is this guy going to all these places? And like, you got a permit and this, and you're like in Australia and you're in the jungle and you're up north. And I'm like, damn, this guy's going to a lot of places. So yeah, it's pretty cool how many how many trips. I mean, yeah. it sucks that COVID happened when you got finally got certified. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know when you know things get smoothed out, like you've got some pretty rad offerings um, around the world, which is really cool. 
Yeah, we definitely do. I, you know, you're, you're talking about Ontario trips and, and how we kind of take it for granted. Mm-hmm. The one cool thing about COVID is, is I've actually had the opportunity to, to meet people and, and to explore, you know, uh, uh, a whole bunch of Google Maps. But uh, I've got probably I've got probably 65 spots uh, pinned right now on my, you know, my little to do list and everything mm-hmm. um, from Manitoulin all the way up to Thunder Bay down to Nipigon. There's also there's a, an operation we're looking at working with uh, on, on um, the Nipigon River Quebec Lodge. Nice. So we've got we've got a really busy, uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, let's see how COVID goes, but we've got potentially a really busy spring going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah. Like uh, exploring your backyard is 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 is, is the best. Yeah. A whole nother level. Yeah. What what really got me was uh, uh we sent Dan out here. Sorry, we sent Dan our cameraman to uh, uh, Nipigon last year, yeah. and uh, I think it was two days of pike fishing. He had he had. Six pike over 40 inches landed, the biggest one going 46. Wow. I mean, dude, I've fished a lot of pike. I don't think I've ever caught six pike over 40 inches in, in two days before. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And here he's doing it, you know, yeah. within uh, driving distance of Thunder where Bay. we live. Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. Yeah, Gord, Gord Ells, we had on the show two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was talking about the Quebec Lodge on the Nipigon. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually, he's uh, he's got an article coming out uh, um on uh, right. Thunder Bay Nipigon Steelhead in our April edition. Boom. There you go. So is the magazine uh, like is it it's it's online? Is it in print? Like how often does it come come out? So it's uh you can find it at ffimagazine.com. Um we come out with new content every 2 months. It's a little bit of a a, a mix between a traditional magazine and a blog sort of. It's hmm. sort of if you go to our page you're going to see and it kind of looks like a blog. It's got the layout sort of like a blog would be, mm-hmm. but we were, we're throwing up like 20 pieces of content at once mm-hmm. and it, it, it you know, it, it happens sort of as an addition. So every two months we throw up a new edition. We got a message from our editor. We've got a cover. Mm-hmm. We've got all our magazines, you know, all our, sorry, articles laid out in my section and everything. And uh, we're actually, we're actually hoping to, to offer a flip book uh, version for people that uh, want to subscribe. Nice. Awesome. Um, completely free if you don't want to, but uh, if you do want to subscribe, leave us your email address, and uh, you guys can download whatever content you want to view it for later. Nice, cool. wicked. Yeah, my wicked. flipbook hasn't been opened, so this is a reason to open it up again. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, and of course, uh, we're gonna be linking out to um, where people can find um, FFI um, uh, on in the show notes of this, and also obviously in the ads, and also on our website. Um, but follow along with uh, with Fly Fishing International because yeah, I mean you you guys are like hosting amazing trips and it's definitely um, an exciting time, uh, especially coming out of COVID. Everybody's itching to travel. I think uh, check out check check out Gills Fly Fishing International because uh, you got to get out and do a trip after COVID's over. You know, yeah. everybody's getting antsed. Um, but yeah. Gil, before we go, I want to ask you one thing. Uh, if you were a fly pattern, what would you be? <laughs> What fly best represents you? What's the gill? <laughs> what's the gill? Oh, what's, what yeah, would you be? Oh, man. I love that your name is Gill and you're a fly fisher, though, too. All right. Well, I don't know what fly pattern I'd be, but if, if I had to name one fly pattern that I, that I really like, yeah. that I, you know, well, maybe it's going to, you know, uh, yeah. uh, I'd be, I guess, uh, a bunny leech. Catches nice. everything. Yeah. There you go. Simple to nice. yep. And I like to tie in with the two tails that kick off each other. Yeah. Nice big head on it so it gets that pump going. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I like. I've always. I've always liked the bunny leech. I so love my it. Version of the- I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing. Gil, thanks for chatting with us, man. And um, thanks for being a new sponsor on the show. We're so excited to be. Uh, yeah, thanks, be man. Helping, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna be great. Us, great. us Toronto. Us Toronto people got to stick together. You know gotta what I mean? Stick together. Yeah. Go. Leech, go. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. All right, buddy. Thanks, All man. Right. Thanks, guys. See you, man.
Well, Gil, that was awesome. Jessica, that was awesome. What a show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, uh, and like we, uh, you know, I think um, if you want to hear more from Jessica and her Fishies 5, go back and listen to the bonus episode we released on March um, 12th. Yeah. Yeah. March 12th. Go back Three and listen ago. to that episode. Yeah. A couple days ago, we released Friday, we released an episode. So go listen to that because you'll hear Jessica's um, Mitchie's Fishies 5, and they're great. Um, and all the other filmmakers from the F3T. And check out Fly filmtour.com to get your tickets to the F3T this year and check out all the films. Check out Jessica's film. It is awesome. And um, that's it, man. That's all the plugs. And everybody, thanks for listening. We love you for listening to us. Yes. Supporting SoFly. That was from all the folks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. I don't know if that translates on a recording. (laughs) But I just Oh, yeah, you can hear hear (laughs) that. Virtual COVID kiss. (laughs) That is it for me, Mitch. Uh, Aldo? Hey, Thanks, everybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yelma? Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Oop. Take care. <laughs> oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Calling to salad. salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Crew. Thanks for listening.